104.5 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 104.5thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Uh, more to knock it away. It's fourth and twelve. Again, double seams then, Mike. Double seams to the end zone. Fourth and 12 with 55 seconds remaining at M&T Bank Stadium. This Titans defense has given up a lot of yards, but this would be the epitome of bend but don't break. They have not broken. Titans rush four. Jackson. Under some heat up the middle, throws incomplete. Intended for Boykin at his shoe tops. Incomplete. That pretty much sealed it, folks. Welcome in. Special edition of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone this morning. As special as special gets. Usually we call this show the Big Six. It is not straight up 6 o'clock by my watch. It is straight up 9.03 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And you might as well call it the Big 16 because that was the deficit that the number one seeded Baltimore Ravens faced when the clock struck zero last night. I don't know if you want to call them Cinderella, honestly, because they're just really good. And it took me a minute to get on the bandwagon. It took me a minute to give them their due. But I have my Sunday morning show on Fox Sports Radio. A lot of you were still awake. I had a lot of Titans fans hitting me up that we're listening this morning. My name is Jason Martin, in case you didn't know. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. And our telephones are wide open to talk about this game, what it means to you, and what's to come. at 615-737-1045. 737-1045. I started out the show and I said that the nation is going to talk relentlessly about one thing. Tomorrow, Tuesday, maybe even Wednesday. But I didn't want to go there. And I had my producers out in Los Angeles during the break joke and say that when they put together their audio pieces that end up playing, you know, during commercial breaks for all the affiliates for Fox Sports throughout the week that cover up local breaks, that my take might be the most unique take on the Baltimore Tennessee game that anyone would have and they kind of laughed about it and said it was a positive thing and here's what it was everyone's going to talk about one thing but I think we need to stop and appreciate something else everybody is going to talk about Lamar Jackson they're going to use this as a referendum erroneously on Lamar Jackson And they're going to talk about the number one seed Ravens and what they did not do on Saturday night. That's going to be the narrative. Why did the Baltimore Ravens, the 10-point favorites, why did they fail? How did they lose? And I think that's malfeasance. I think it's media malfeasance. Because at some point, folks, I think you need to pay tribute And honor the victors in a scenario like this. Because if you want to point to various reasons why 
the Baltimore Raven, uh, the Baltimore Ravens choked last night. You can do that, but you also need to give credit to the winners, and the Tennessee Titans deserve a ton of credit today for the way that they played on defense, for the way that the offensive line played, and yeah. For that dude that rushed 30 times for 195 yards. Before I talk about Lamar Jackson, I want to talk about Derrick Henry. The NFL MVP is a regular season award that was voted on weeks ago. It's going to the guy that lost last night, Lamar Jackson. And deservedly so, based on the criteria of that award. But today, you would have an incredibly difficult time convincing me that there is anyone more valuable right now to his team in the National Football League than the dude that wears number 22 for the Tennessee Titans and runs the football. We're going to see some guys that are incredibly valuable for their team today with Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And you can point to a number of different guys that are super important. But think about what Derrick Henry has done. And one analogy that I made on on the show earlier this morning was last week was a really big week for Jeopardy. And it's still going on. They've got the Champion of Champions tournament deal with Ken Jennings and James Holzhauer and the other guy. And I have them on DVR, and the ratings are through the roof. They're doing more than NBA Finals games. They're doing more than World Series games. Everybody's paying attention to this thing. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. And, of course, as soon as I mentioned that on the air, somebody tweeted me and told me the results, which kind of ruined me being able to go back and watch it. But in honor of Jeopardy, the answer that pops up on the screen is Derrick Henry. What's the question? I ring in and I say, Alex, here's the question. What is the name or what are the names of the running backs who have totaled 180-plus rushing yards in three consecutive NFL football games regular season or postseason? And the answer is Derrick Henry. Ladies and gentlemen, the only answer is Derrick Henry. Consider all the greats in the history of the National Football League. Consider how much more we saw from that position decades before now because we're told now it's a quarterback's league. It's all about the receivers. It's all about the quarterbacks. It's all about the aerial assault. And then here is this dude doing something that none of those guys have ever done. None of them. Whoever the best running back you've ever seen is, that guy has never done what Derrick Henry just completed. And there's no reason to think he's not going to do it for a fourth time next week, either in Kansas City or in Houston. But if you go back to the Kansas City game on November the 10th, a three-point win for the Titans, 35-32, to Derrick Henry became something almost otherworldly. 23 for 188 and two touchdowns. Jacksonville, 19 for 159 and two touchdowns. Indianapolis, 26 for 149 and a touchdown. Oakland, 18 for 103 and two touchdowns. 21 for 86 against Houston is the worst you can find. And he was a little banged up, and he ended up taking the next week off 
against the Saints and then came back and had 32 for 211 in the regular season and three touchdowns to win the rushing title. And then in the postseason against the Patriots in Foxborough and the Ravens in Baltimore, he goes 34 for 182 and 30 for 195. And although he did not run into the end zone last night, he went full on Tim Tebow with a jump pass to Corey Davis in the back of the end zone and threw for one to match Lamar Jackson's totals. Yes, folks, we can talk about the Ravens, and you're going to hear those hot takes spout out like crazy this week because anybody that had anything negative to say about Lamar Jackson is going to use last night to say they've been right when they've been wrong. Or we can actually look at greatness and appreciate it. This team deserves credit. It deserves applause. It deserves respect. And it deserves belief. And maybe the last one is the most important one. For so long, it's been up and down that it became harder and harder to buy in. I suggest to you and subject to you right here on 104.5 The Zone, on this special edition of the Big Six, that you can believe in this team. What they've already accomplished, you can believe in this team. And you listen to me, and if you're someone that has listened to me for any length of time, you know I haven't believed in this team. And I also did a show about how you got to take an L at some point and move on with your life. I didn't see the switch to Tannehill coming. I knew what Derrick Henry was capable of. I did not know Arthur Smith was going to be this good. I did not know this defense was going to come back around in the way that it has in short yardage and red area situations over the past two weeks. I was wrong. This team can go to the Super Bowl. This team can win the Super Bowl. Because I look at Derrick Henry and what he's done and the two defenses that he just faced off with are tougher than either of the two defenses he could possibly face next week on the road in the AFC Championship game. He deserves the first mention on this show and the line that has played exceedingly well in front of him. But what he's doing after contact, stiff-arming Earl Thomas not once but twice on the same play, nobody wants to see Derrick Henry. No one, I just don't look at anybody in the league, maybe San Francisco. There is nobody else that's still playing football right now that I am afraid of if I'm a Titans fan as it relates to the running game. How do you stop him? How many guys does it take to tackle him? Especially in the second half when everybody's a little bit beat down. The phone number is 615-737-1045. We've got Michael... He's in Nashville. We will go to him first. Michael, what's up? Hey, guys. First of all, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. We came and we showed out yesterday and we shocked the world. And I just want to give a big shout-out to those guys, man. And the biggest question is if we do go to Super Bowl and we win it, I hope we don't have a repeat of what happened in 99-2000 when they didn't resign everybody. So my question is, who is option number one in this case? Would it be Tannehill 
or would it be Derrick Henry? I think the last two weeks have told you exactly who it is. When you are winning playoff games where your quarterback has thrown cumulatively for a total of 160 passing yards, then you see that all he has to be really is a game manager that doesn't make mistakes. Makes And if he's got a couple of plays that fall into his lap, then that's fine. But the guy you can't afford to lose, in my opinion, and I never thought I would say this in 2020 because I've been so bearish on the position. And I'm still bearish on the position. I don't think you pay running backs, but I do think you pay this dude because I don't know that he's not just a cyborg. We came back from one of the breaks this morning with Bush's machine head, and I said, you know, it's funny because somebody was tweeting about how Derrick Henry is basically Optimus Prime. And it's kind of true. You can't let him leave town. You just can't. Like, I know paying running backs usually doesn't pay off. And I'm not saying that you give him 15 mil a season. But I'm to the point where I think 13 is very, very believable. Because I'm looking at a guy that's doing things that's making it exciting to watch a north-south outside zone cutback run game in 2020, and it's almost riveting to watch. Even when it's four or five yards of carry because you're waiting for the 67-yarder that you know is without question going to come. We're over, so we're going to get to break. I, know, I see we've got Seth and Jim on the line. You can join them at 615-737-1045. Coming up on this program, I had Paul Kaharski live from Baltimore on Fox Sports Radio this morning. I'm going to play that conversation for you. Also, I chatted with Buck Rising a little bit ago. I believe as soon as he gets off an airplane, uh, he's going to join me in the next hour. Could have some more fun as well, but always room for your phone calls because this is a reaction day, and this is a day where, look, I know there's division rivals, but when you look at things that you don't forget, 2000 and 2008, the Ravens ending maybe the two best seasons in Titans history, the vengeance, the revenge, and the feeling that you have today as a Titans fan. Take a bow. Enjoy it. Call us. Have some fun. Celebrate. We are off and running. We'll be right back. We're here for two hours. The Big Six, a two-hour special all about recapping last night, looking ahead for the Tennessee Titans. This is a fun day to be in Nashville. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. Nashville. After... Welcome back inside the nice warm confines of the 104.5 The Zone Studios here on Music Row. I'm Jason Martin. This is the Big Six Special Edition, two-hour edition, talking Titans, Ravens, talking Titans, Chiefs, Titans, Texans, whatever is to come. The sky is now the limit. You get two more wins in a row, that's going to be history in this city, folks. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. The telephone number is 615-737-1045. Jimmy Harper. He's behind the glass. He's spinning the Dallas radio style for me, taking your phone calls. He's been here longer than me. And he's a great gatekeeper. But I know you guys are feeling it out there, and you should be. And I said, and I, I have to live up to this, that when you're wrong, you take the L. This industry is all about trying to excuse it away and find other things to say. I already took the L and said, you know, I, I didn't believe in Lamar Jackson. I do believe in him now. I don't think last night means he can't play. 
I'm a Denver Broncos fan. You know who lost his first two playoff games? John Elway. Lamar Jackson's 0-2. Didn't look good in those games. But I wouldn't write him off. There's a lot of lot of players that struggle early in the playoffs from the quarterback spot, and it takes a while to win. I think one of the stats one of the Fox guys gave me this morning was Peyton lost his first five. So slow down on that. But I'm going to take an L on this Titans team. I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. When they got there, I thought New England was going to beat them. Then I thought Baltimore was going to beat them, although I had a feeling yesterday when I woke up about the Ravens. I was wrong. This team is good. In fact, good to great is accurate. This team is great. This team has knocked the in- I said, oh, the only consistent thing is the inconsistency. I'm not the only one who said that. Can't say that anymore. The nicest thing that you can say about a football team or a sports franchise is you can believe in this team. You can feel safe to believe in this team. They have given you the reason. They have given you multiple reasons to believe in them. We go to the phones. We lead off this segment with Beth. She is here in Nashville. Beth, what's up? Hey, man. What's going on? I uh, I just wanted to talk about the fact that, uh, first, I think you made a great point. You know, he's young, Lamar Jackson. And not to take away from his season, um, this this season he did great. I think you know the question is, can he actually win the big game? Um, I guess that'll be time. Time will tell. You know, I think if you look at his college stats, there were a few big games, especially against Clemson, where they couldn't, they just couldn't make it happen. But um, I guess that would be my biggest question. Uh, and he's young, so like I said, time will tell. But I mean, I'm just super stoked for the Titans. I think you know it's awesome to see Derrick Henry get, you know, exactly what he deserves in terms of getting the ball fed to him and, you know, to see Ryan Tannehill step up the way he has the rest of the season and especially last night, man, just watching him, the the passes that he was making, you know, I think the decision-making was awesome, especially just starting out the game, getting it going. It was was great. So um, I think there's a lot of confidence that can be built, you know, uh, moving forward uh, just because you beat both these teams and you're riding on a high, you know, and just the way their defense is playing, it, it, it lights out. So, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem. That was Seth, by the way, not Beth. I called him Beth. I read it wrong. Um, what he said about Lamar Jackson being young and Louisville and, and those things. There's one thing I will point out about the two games that the Tennessee Titans just won that those two teams had in common that maybe we didn't think about, but we saw clear as day watching it. Those two quarterbacks, who, of course, one's very old and one's very young, they didn't have a lot around them in terms of weaponry at the receiver spot. You had Edelman and a bunch of dudes, young dudes, even a rookie in the kill Harry out there for Tom Brady. Lamar Jackson had Mark Andrews at probably, I don't know if he was even 100%. And then Marquise Brown, who's a rookie, and that's kind of it. Didn't have a lot of safety valves to help him out when he needed it most. I'm not trying to excuse away anything. I'm just saying that if there is one difference between what they just went through and what they will see, both the two teams coming up have weaponry, especially the Chiefs, of course. But the receiving talent for Houston is far superior to what we've seen over the past few weeks as well. Those are teams that are made to... It's almost like they're so one-dimensional in some ways, even if you don't realize that they are, that if they have just a couple of miscues, they're not going to be able to throw themselves back into the game. And that was exactly what we've seen. 
Jim is on a cell phone. He joins us next. Jim, what say you? Good morning. I appreciate the opportunity to make my comment. The, sure. uh, some people may accuse me of getting on the Derrick Henry bandwagon. Well, as a Bama fan, I've been on that wagon for about eight years Amen. Now. But uh, last night, as the uh, commentators were doing their thing, all you could hear about was Lamar Jackson MVP, Lamar yep. Jackson MVP. I don't want to take anything away from him. He's an outstanding athlete. But, you know, is there any chatter uh, for Derrick Henry for MVP? I don't think anybody can argue how important he is to uh, the Titans' uh, offense and what he has done on the field certainly stands out in a major way. So just curious if there's any comment about that. And I'll hang up and listen off air. Well, if you heard me doing the first segment, uh, I mean, there is certainly going to be chatter about it, but it, it doesn't matter because it was voted on weeks ago. It's not being voted on today. Even though it hasn't been handed out, it was voted on weeks ago. It's a regular season award. Lamar Jackson's team went 14-2, and two, and he was unstoppable basically all year long. Made people that get paid millions of dollars a living look like infants out there. Just look foolish repeatedly. But what I said in the first segment was, although Lamar Jackson is going to win a runaway and deserved most valuable player award based on the criteria. Right now, there is no one more valuable to their team than Derrick Henry is to the Titans based on what we're seeing. But there's not going to be a revote. There's not going to be anything like that. A lot of times you start to hear this. I mean, you had the Heisman year where Deshaun Watson didn't win it. And Deshaun Watson ended up winning the championship and beating Nick Saban, beating Alabama and outdueling Jalen Hurts in that ball game, but he ended up not winning the Heisman that year, just as an example. That kind of thing can happen. The Vince Young year, you know, these are things that can happen. But the award was already voted on weeks ago. It's not going to go to Derrick Henry. But you can believe everything that will be said here, like everything that you'll hear in the city of Nashville, a lot of people are going to make that case and say, why is it voted on then? That comes up from time to time. It just does when something like this is happening. Derrick Henry couldn't be doing more than he's doing right now. He has made the case, no question about it. But Lamar is going to be the MVP. Dustin joins us next on the program. Dustin, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Uh, I just want to start by saying there's nothing more enjoyable than watching Ravens fans in shock and dismay, uh, especially considering what they've done to us in the past specifically 2008 when I thought that was our year. Uh, Chris Johnson went out early, and Lendell White just was not the answer on the road. Um, that just felt great, beating Ravens fans, seeing seeing their faces around me at the bar last night. Um, didn't say a word to them because you didn't have to. Derrick Henry did all the talking for us, and Jason, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't agree with paying running backs, but I don't think there's a guy like Derrick Henry in the league, and you've got to keep him because if he's not on your side, He's running you over. So pay the man, keep the team intact, franchise, Tannehill, let's move in the next year. Um, and moving forward next week, I don't think I care who they play. They've proved after beating the Patriots, you know, and Tom Brady on the road, Lamar Jackson, MVP, Ravens, number one seed on the road. I don't care if it's the Chiefs on the road for the second time this year or the Texans for the third time this year that we would see them. Um, I have faith that they can beat anybody. Um, and I think it's going to be Titans, Niners in the Super Bowl. And we'll see what happens. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. No problem. 
And that's just going to be the reaction. And it should be. What you just went through, what the Tennessee Titans just went through over the past two weeks, should have you confident that they can beat anybody that's left. And that includes San Francisco, as good as I think they are, especially defensively. They got questions at quarterback. I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. If it's Garoppolo versus Tannehill and it comes down to the run games, yeah, they can run. Tevin Coleman had over 100 yards yesterday. But that was a, that's a defense, and it's a unbelievable defense. But if it were just if it's Derrick Henry versus your defense, right now it feels like it's Derrick Henry, doesn't it? It really does. I see the lines are just lit up right now. I know we need to get to a break, so we'll do that. I still want to play the Paul Kaharski interview. We'll see if we can run through some phone calls. And look, if, if you guys want to keep talking, then we'll save that and we'll find a way to get it in another time. But it's 615-737-1045. The Titans are still playing football. The number one seeded Ravens aren't. The defending champions, the New England Patriots, aren't. Both courtesy of Derrick Henry. Both courtesy of the defense. Both courtesy of Mike Vrabel. Unbelievable times in Nashville. This NFL team is unbelievable. You want to hear how unbelievable? I saw this was tweeted out just two hours ago. Congratulations to the great state of Tennessee. You've got yourselves a fantastic football team. Big win last night, exclamation point. That sent by the president of the United States, Donald Trump. We'll be right back. This is a special edition of the Big Six. More of your phone calls coming up here on 104.5 The Zone. 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back on a special Sunday edition of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host on Twitter at jmartzone. Lines are loaded. They all want to talk LSU Clemson. Just kidding. Titans beat the Ravens, sent them home. I have a fleet of stats from my guy Scott Kazmar, Football Outsiders, that I'm going to get to that will just boggle your mind about last night's game. Just stunning stuff. But we got a wall of phone calls, and I want to get through some of these. Brad in Nashville, he leads us off in this segment. Brad, how are you? Doing good. Appreciate you uh, letting me be on. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to say congratulations to the uh, Titans. Uh, It was a great victory, and everyone, all phases of the game, they were on the task, and... uh, it was all good, but I like to say to the believers and the people getting on the bandwagon here in Nashville and Middle Tennessee, if you want to really get on the bandwagon, you need to go down there and buy TSLs, buy those tickets, and those TSL holders who sell out when the Steelers come or when the uh, uh, Indianapolis Colts come, uh, let's fill that stadium up with Titan Blue, if you're a believer. Well... That's a plea that you may hear from more than just that phone caller. And we won't get to see what that's going to look like until next year. But winning will bring you out, especially in this city, to a party. And when the fervor catches around this team, all of a sudden it gets a lot more fun inside the building. We saw the atmosphere in Baltimore, and we saw how quiet the Tennessee Titans made it. Won't be quiet when they come back to Nissan Stadium. And that's even if last night's the last game we see them win, which it very well may not be. Kendall in Nashville is up next here on the Big Six. Kendall, how are you? Hey, good 
good, brother. Real good. Hey, man, I, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I had a chance to talk to an equipment manager from Miami. Uh, he worked with Tiny Hill for three years, and he wasn't shocked at all by Tiny Hill's success in Nashville. I just thought it was really interesting, you know. You you, you, you sit down with a quarterback like Tannehill and tape his ankles every day for three years. You get to know the guy, and mm-hmm. it was just awesome to hear him say, you know, I'm not surprised, you know, by by Ryan's success. He said, and I, told, I asked him. I said, so what? I said, what do you what do you contribute to to Ryan's success here in Nashville? And he said, Derrick Henry. He said, when you get a, a, a back like that, and you get a supporting cast like we have now. A guy like Ryan Tannehill is going to have success, and I, and I caught it last week. And I never called, you know, Mark or you or whoever else. But I, I said then, I said back last week, I said the Titans are going to go to the Super Bowl because of how Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry are playing. Well, you could be right. I mean, Ryan Tannehill's not having to do very much; just not make mistakes. He had two touchdowns. Really, those are the only two throws of note that he made all game, and that's all he needed. And he made a couple of runs where he was able to keep drives alive. Did not turn the football over. And when you've got Derrick Henry rushing the way he's rushing and the defense playing the way that they're playing, then he can be a game manager. There are times when he has not been a game manager, but I mean, he only threw 14 passes last night, folks, in a playoff game. In a week after he had thrown for 72 yards, he went 7 for 14 for 88 yards. And the Tennessee Titans won that football game over the number one seed on the road by 16 points. That's preposterous. Except we saw it happen. Joe on a cell phone up next. Joe, what's up? No, uh, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. No, just want to comment. Uh, you know, I love I love the Titans as always, but the top player I want to comment on because when the draft came and he was hurt, it was like never gave it a chance. Oh, this is going to suck. Whatever. Jeffrey Sims. I'm really super impressed. I really am. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? After and uh, I appreciate the phone call. After listening to his press conference when he was crying, talking about Amy Adams Strunk and how they believed in him and believed him about his contrition about what had happened in his past, and then just the fact that they still took the chance on him as high as they did with the injury and coming back from that, you just had a feeling. If he could get back on the field, he was going to make an impact. I wasn't sure we'd see him this entire season, but not only have we seen him, we have seen Big Jeff. And that looks like it might have been another good choice by John Robinson, whose pluses outweigh his negatives right now. When you look at the team building he's done, hard to to deny he's had a lot more hits than misses. Matt in Nashville up next. Matt, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, when you're talking about paying Derrick Henry, the only problem that I can see is that almost any back that you have gets injured. I mean, it, it, even if it's something that only keeps him out maybe a few games or whatever. But it's like, like the, the only thought I had last night when I'm, with, I'm watching Rumble and I'm listening to everybody talk about what a monster he is, you know, and everything, is, is it's, it's like Bo Jackson. You know, but even Bo Jackson hurt himself. Like, you're so strongly you know, broke his own hip or whatever. You know, it's like every back gets injured. And, you know, maybe some money, but, but not the kind of money that people are thinking, I don't think. I don't think, you can, I don't think you can pay it back that much. You just can't, you know, not for their longevity, you know. So that's it. I, and look, that's the going wisdom, and that's been my wisdom. And I just think this guy's different. But I would be worried about that. I mean, most running backs don't get to the end of their second contract. 
Maybe you can front load it or something. But what you're seeing right now and his durability, I mean, he's played, even when he was a little bit banged up, he's played. I know it's going to take its toll on him. I get it. It doesn't make any sense. But I keep watching what this dude's doing. And I'm like, how do you let him go? And franchise tagging him just seems like it's not even respectful to him at this point. You want to franchise? I, well, see, I don't think you can franchise tag Tannehill because you're paying him too much money if you're doing that. But Derrick Henry right now is worth his weight in gold. And I know right now could be a, you know, that's a caveat. But that's not how I'm intending it. I'm intending it as... I'm looking at a dude right now that is special. He's the only back in the league I would consider, including the guys that have already gotten paid. He's the only guy that I would consider making the money that a couple of those guys have. The only one. Wilson is in Bowling Green. He joins us next year on the program. Wilson, what say you? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, my thing is, is you know, we're talking about MVP uh, candidates and stuff like that. Well, there's there's one MVP award left to be handed out, and that's Super Bowl MVP. And, you know, there's uh, Derek Henry. If he keeps up doing what he's doing, what if he's only halfway done with a season, uh, with a postseason run that's historic and ends in a better MVP than the one Lamar Jackson's going to end up with? But that being said, you know, the kind of performance he has is casting a big shadow, and what's sneaking in behind that shadow is the coaching staff to me. I mean, between Arthur Smith and Dean Pease, these yep. guys came prepared last night. Lamar Jackson looked frustrated. The entire team looked out of sorts. And these guys, like they knew exactly what they were doing came in the game. They were in his head from that interception on, and they did not let off. And it's just been impressive to see what Dean Pease has done. But also impressive is the, is the job that Arthur Smith's done. And Mike Vrabel, well, you know, hey, last night they had to call a timeout with seven minutes left because if not, Mike Rabel's going to burn two minutes off the clock. Yep. We saw it happen. These guys are reacting to our coaching staff. That's the mark of a good football team. I'm pumped. I'm ready for the AFC Championship game. And you should be. And everything you said is right. It is. And Dean Pease has a lot of equity built up in the league. And Arthur Smith is very popular in the league. But a lot of us didn't know very much about him before this year. Let me tell you what is just the most ridiculous, and it's being made more ridiculous by the week. You talked about the second MVP that's still to be given in the Super Bowl and how Derrick Henry has a shot to win that one, certainly. All-pro running back, first team, going to Christian McCaffrey makes less and less sense. As good as McCaffrey was, you were including his all-purpose yards, which means his flex numbers. I heard Dawn say this. Actually, she said it when I was in with her and Mickey, and she was 1,000% right then and she's 10,000% right now. Derrick Henry should be the first team all running. I mean, he was the rushing champion. He was the most dominant running back we saw all year. Christian McCaffrey could be second team and could be flex first team. Without question, he should be. And I get, look, he's definitely right there in the running back conversation, but nobody should be ranked higher in an all-pro team than Derrick Henry at the running back position. It is absurd to think otherwise. Phone lines continue to be jammed. I told you I had Paul Kaharski on Fox Sports Radio. I still want to play that. We'll see if we can get it in in the second hour of the show. And Buck Rising said he might call in as well um, once he lands. He took off from Atlanta a little while ago. But the Titans are still playing football. They are taken off in every possible way. Take everything was an interesting slogan I kept seeing on billboards around town. Now, what have they done? They've taken the soul of the champions. And they have ended the number one seed season at home in lopsided fashion behind a running game and a defense. Throwback football in 2020 
and nobody. I don't care if it's the Chiefs, the Texans, the Niners, the Packers, the Seahawks. Nobody wants to see the fight in Vrabels right now. We'll be right back on this special edition of the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. The Division Station. 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back, special edition on this Sunday of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin, your host on Twitter at jmartzone. If you've been up all night, a lot of Titans fans just haven't even been able to sleep after what happened last night. Some of you listen to me on Fox Sports Radio, which you heard right here from 2 to 5. Titans demolish the Ravens, dismantle the Ravens, leave them discombobulated, leave them confused, leave them frustrated, leave their fans sad. I was sitting here reading the media in Baltimore, and the Baltimore Sun has an article that I may just actually try to read dramatically to you in the second hour because I think it's going to be cathartic for Titans fans who have watched heartbreak at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens on multiple occasions since the team moved to Nashville. I think you might appreciate that, so we'll do it. Let's see how many phone calls we can get in on this segment. It's still a bonus hour to come. I've got an unbelievable fleet of stats also to throw at you. As we move into the second hour of the program, Edwin in Nashville leads us off. Edwin, what's up? Man, guys, I'm just completely stoked about the win last night. Uh, even more, uh, I'm more stoked about the leadership that we're getting from uh, Coach Brable, man. You can see it. It's electric, bro. It's going all the way through the players. I love the linebacker core stepped up. Man, I looked at that defense last night, and it took some real, some real uh, fortitude to run two down linemen four linebackers and five DBs balls. Like, it took some real, and it's damn P's also, but you can tell those linebackers, man, they listen to Vrabel because they've seen that he's done it. You know, he's been there. He got the rings. He got the T-shirt. They want the rings. They want the T-shirt, too. You know, turnover differential is crazy. You know, we got some DBs that are going for these balls, man. You know, we had uh, 1999, we had 16 total interceptions. We right at, I think, like 13 or 13 or 14 now between our team, and we still got two more games to go, man. I'm just stoked about our defense, stoked about Vrabel. You know, we tighten up, baby. That's all I got. It's interesting because the defense that was averaging, giving up just 15.3 points per game when Marcus was out there and they were still with the losing record, they didn't have the offense going. And then it was, oh, man, you're asking the defense to do too much. And then towards the end of the regular season, it was you're starting to ask the Offense to do too much defense, pick it up. Now you got Henry dealing and the defense dealing and the offensive line standing up. And they're not turning the football over. That is why you're seeing a complete football team. It's not one half, it's everybody. Everybody pulling their weight and just kind of getting behind Derrick Henry, getting behind a bell cow who's gone from a two down to a three down back and I think instills fear in opposing defense is unlike anything we've seen by far since Marshawn Lynch in his prime. Coach Banks up next here on the program. Coach, what's up? Hey, what's going on, sir? This is Coach Banks. Uh, I got a defensive question for you, but before I say that, I was waiting to see something last night. Uh, You know that uh, scene from 300 where Leonidas, he's like, uh, give them nothing and take from them everything. I was just really waiting to see that. So if y'all can play that, that'd be awesome. Uh, But my strategy question is about the defense. Um, the way we contained Lamar last night with that contain and that spy and that delayed safety blitz, 
do you think we discovered something new as far as how to contain quarterbacks like him? And do you think that strategy will transition? Uh, should we run it against Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes? Well, I mean, it definitely worked when you did it. The only time that the defense really struggled was when they dropped eight into coverage, and that was when Lamar Jackson did some of his damage. Here's what Logan Ryan said about why they played the defense that they did. Some of this is pretty funny. I'll just read this. Quote, we wanted to give him loaded boxes all night to get him out of the run game. We were either playing with a loaded box and man-to-man to make him beat us throwing the ball outside mano a mano, or we were going to play his own defense, a quarters defense similar to what Buffalo did. And Buffalo played them well. Buffalo just didn't score a lot of points on offense. So we had eight and nine-man boxes all night. This is when it gets funny to me. You play Madden and you run engage eight all day, it's hard to run the ball. We pretty much did that and we got a lead. And once we got a lead, they had to go to the pass game, and that's our strength with the DBs we have, having the ball skills we have. When we get a lead, we can get some interceptions. So Madden helping them out. And Buffalo, and that's right. The difference between Buffalo and Tennessee is Tennessee has an offense and Buffalo has Josh Allen. So if you play defense the way Buffalo played defense and you were able to see some things that maybe you could exploit as it related to Lamar Jackson and Baltimore's offense, then as long as you could just score a few points, you could beat them. And you think about how they jumped on everybody and they used that to get aggressive with their defense with blitzing over half their snaps, which was well above anybody else in the NFL. They did it because they got leagues and they could, they got leads and they could get super aggressive out there. In the first quarter, the Ravens had outscored their opponents by 97 points. And now it's 90 and now they're done because they were trailing at the end of the quarter. And I would subject to you that the most important play of the game came on their first offensive series. I don't think they were ever the same after this thing happened. And maybe we'll talk about that when we lead off an hour or two. We'll see how many other phone calls we can get before we get to that point. Johnny is in Antioch. He is next on the program. Johnny, what say you this morning? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking a call. Sure. Love the show. Thank and uh, go Titans. Um, yeah, last night, I've got, I've, you know, hats off to the team for brilliant execution. Um, but the, I want to talk about the, the defensive game plan and containing Jackson, uh, I listened to Keith Bullock earlier this week on uh, on the the, net, the yeah. radio station yeah. talking break down Jackson and how you know when you've got a guy who can run like that, you're not eleven defenders on on ten offensive people who are coming at you. You've got a you've got a man on a man. You got eleven on eleven, and they got to have find a way to account. You got an unaccounted guy with that quarterback, and the the plan from from Dean Pease and the coaching staff. They figured out a way to bring in a 12th defender, and that 12th defender was a sideline, and that was brilliant. It was. You're right. That, that's a really good point. And, of course, Bullock's a smart dude. He knows what he's talking about a little bit. But that is true. And one thing that we had also seen from the Ravens' defense was, and we saw Tannehill do the opposite of this. There was an example, I think, in the Baltimore Sun, as a matter of fact, about Sam Darnold and how he liked to use rollout off play action. And that the Ravens, Martindale, would then send somebody, and as soon as he turned around off the rollout, there would be a DB right in his face, and he would either get sacked or have to throw it away. You saw one example where Tannehill rolled away from the side where the DB was blitzing from. They saw it. He rolled away, and he was free. There was no problem there, and he was able to complete a pass. One of the seven 
that he completed in the game, which is a very small number, but they won by 16, so who really cares? Mike in Nashville's next. Mike, what's up? Mike, you with me? Yes, I am. Yep, go ahead. Hey, first of all, it's it's a beautiful thing to see uh, the expression on the face in the Ravens uh, arena yesterday. Uh, it kind of reminded me of election night in 2016, uh, <laughs> speaking of Mr. Trump. Sure. But uh, got nothing but love for the Titans. Great game, and on to the next. On to the next. It's seven days away. We'll see whether or not they're traveling to Kansas City or whether or not traveling to Houston. At this point, neither one of those two teams wants to see the Tennessee Titans rolling into town, except for the fact that it means they're still playing. But this is not the kind of football team you want to match up with currently. Bernard is in Hendersonville. Let's get to him before we get to the top of the hour break. Bernard, what's up? Hey, Jason. So I guess a, a lot of times in sports, you, you kind of start, especially when you've got a team match up against a team that you feel might be better than you, you you hear a lot of cliches that you kind of start to dismiss after a while because you hear them over and over again about stepping up, doing your job, all that kind of stuff, right? But you look at this Titans team, and it's actually real. I mean, you look at these players that are doing what they're doing. I mean, guys like Kamale Correa, yeah. um, they're playing the best football of their life. I mean, David Long steps up and plays a one heck of a football game last night. Um, Adore Jackson makes plays, plays as good a football game last night that I've ever seen him. I've ever seen him play. Um, you know, Jonu Smith only gets a couple of targets, and as many big plays as he's had this year, made the most incredible plays made all year in that touchdown catch. You know, and the offensive line, which was dreadful at the beginning of the year, even when Taylor came back, um, has stepped it up. All the way up to the coaching staff who puts together a game plan. I mean, how much better the coaching staff has gotten um, up and up and down this whole roster. Um, I can't say enough about how much they actually have stepped up every single player on that team. Um, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing on the field. Um, you know, I, and, and I, let me ask you a question about that game. Sure. Too last night. The fourth down, it, and I've had this argument last night with a couple of different people. The fourth down calls where Jim Harbaugh elects to go for it instead yeah. of punting in the second quarter, and the fourth down call where instead of kicking a field goal, he goes for it and we stop him twice. Now, analytics say he should go for those fourth downs, but right. their odds of winning actually goes up by going for it. I, I'm side towards the analytics on this, but in a playoff game like that, I think those were poor decisions made by him. I think you've got to go ahead and punt the ball away in the, in the second quarter. You've got to go ahead and take the points um, in the third quarter. Um, I don't know, it's just, just something I thought, thought they were out there and see what, see what your thoughts were on that. Sure, Bernard. I appreciate your thoughts. You know, Doug Matthews, who hosts Big Orange Sunday right before us here, he was telling me he, he didn't agree with that first one in particular. I didn't either. I'm not saying it's arrogant, but it was sort of arrogant. I mean, that's what the Ravens are, and they were 100% on fourth down and ones this season, and they went 0 for 2 against the Titans on Saturday. Weird things have to happen in playoff games against top seeds on the road to get wins and weird things happen. And the Titans made the most of every single bounce, every single bounce. We'll lay that out. we got another hour coming up. Uh, we may have Buck rising on. We may be able to play uh, the Paul Kaharski interview. I had him on Fox sports this morning, but I want to give you some stats and just continue to break this down in this special edition of the big six. We're coming back. This is a very brief break. So don't go anywhere here on one Oh four, five, the zone. This now. 
1045 The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. One more time, Ryan Tannehill. In the victory formation, he takes a knee in his 100th start. Ryan Tannehill has led the Titans to a victory that is leading them for the first time in 17 years to the American Football Conference Championship game. The Tennessee Titans have shocked the world coming into Baltimore and upsetting the number one seed in the AFC decisively. Final score. Tennessee 28, Baltimore 12, and for the second time in playoff history at M&T Bank Stadium, the Titans get it done again. You know the voice, the Vought, voice of the Tennessee Titans, Mike Keith, final call. Tennessee Titans still playing football. Top seed of Baltimore Ravens, not. Defending champion, New England Patriots, not. Both courtesy of your football team. A measure of revenge last night in Baltimore, to be sure. The Ravens have been such a problem, and so many key moments that have happened to this franchise have happened at the hands or against the Baltimore Ravens. There were a handful of plays that meant a lot in this game. The defense, first off, you need to talk about it. Vrabel talked about it after the game. He said, look, what they did in short yardage situations, what they did in the red zone was crucial. Look, we saw the goal line stand against the Patriots last week, which is as big as it gets. And then we saw two fourth and one stopped. The Ravens went 0 for 4 on fourth downs in this game. But let me tell you what the biggest play of the game was. The biggest play of the game was the play that ended Baltimore's first offensive possession in this game. If it had not happened, I don't even know if I'm doing this show right now. I don't know if we're doing a recap show. They forced the Titans punt. The Ravens did after deferring. They're moving down the field. Lamar Jackson throws from the 36 to Mark Andrews, who's been safety blanket number one really for him when he's needed an outlet. Andrews has been there for him. Now, Andrews had an ankle problem. Andrews didn't quite get up as high, maybe, as you would have expected, but the pass was just high enough at the 19-yard line for it to kind of careen off his fingertips. And who was standing there? You know who. Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard doesn't miss opportunities. Picks it off. Goes the other way with it. Ends the possession. And Lamar Jackson, this was a bad call, but sometimes that's going to happen. Matter of fact, in every game, you're going to have bad calls. Lamar Jackson was called for a personal foul horse collar tackle at the end of that, which shouldn't have been called. That changed the game. And I'm not talking about the penalty, but that just added 15 more yards to the play. That turnover, I don't think Baltimore ever fully recovered from it. They were driving. If they go up 7 to nothing right there, do you think the rest of the game goes the same way? Because I don't know. I'm not saying Derrick Henry's not going to go run crazy because he still would have. But it just felt like Baltimore took a punch early, something that they have not seen very much at all this year, and they didn't know what to do. 
They didn't look the same on offense, really, or on defense. It shook them. And to me, it was the biggest play in the entire football game, and it came very early. And I know a lot of things happened after that that you can point to as well. Believe me, I get that. But that, to me, was your game-changing play. Now to the Baltimore Sun. I was reading a couple of different articles from them this morning, but this is the one that I think I need to read sort of dramatically to you because Titans fans, just sit back and enjoy this. Grab a beverage of your choice, a warm beverage, and listen to this. The article's title is, There's probably no consoling Ravens fans after Saturday's loss, but here goes. This is an article from the Baltimore Sun, and this is the kind of thing you would expect. But you're going to enjoy this, I promise you. Here it is, from Dan Rodericks. We can console ourselves by saying it was fun while it lasted. We can say, thanks for a great season, you guys. We can go to YouTube and watch Lamar highlights from October or replay the entire win over the Patriots in November. And those are all fine sentiments and therapeutic suggestions, but I don't imagine Baltimore Ravens fans are much interested in any of that right now. This wound is fresh and deep. We thought the Ravens were going to the Super Bowl. There have been great Ravens teams in the past that did or almost did, but somehow this time it really seemed like destiny. We had the amazing Lamar Jackson as quarterback and what became, as the season progressed, a complete team that even impressed my hard-to-impress colleague from the Sun Sports Department, Mike Preston. The Ravens were a team everyone talked about everywhere. Sports analysts on TV, the cashier at my neighborhood giant, my postal carrier, my doctor, co-workers, friends, family, even relatives in New England conceded the Ravens' awesomeness. They were the number one seed in their conference, a record-setting team, a beautiful team, and a team that crashed on takeoff in the playoffs. Can we call it a disaster without being accused of hyperbole? I already used the word destiny, so we might as well go with disaster. That other D word, disappointment, just isn't sufficient. That is how the Baltimore Sun wrote about what your Tennessee Titans did to the number one seed and the league MVP last night in Baltimore. I have to imagine there are smiles on a lot of faces of people in cars or in homes listening to various devices and listening to this special edition of the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone this morning. Not that you didn't already have a permagrin after watching that football game take place. Stunning things were taking place last night in Baltimore. Since 1940, 326 teams have had at least 530 yards of offense in an NFL game. Out of that 326, the Baltimore Ravens are the only ones that didn't score 14 points in that game. That's just one stat of many. There are so many crazy stats. On the touchdown drives versus the Ravens, here's Ryan Tannehill's number of completions. The first drive, one, the 12-yard touchdown to Jonu Smith. Second touchdown drive, one, the 45-yard touchdown to Khalif Raymond. On the third touchdown drive, zero. On the fourth touchdown drive, one nine-yard pass. That's it. 
three completions on four touchdown drives for your starting quarterback and you win the game by 16 points. Really, I mean, what what do you even need at this point to understand all of what was going on? Lamar Jackson set an NFL record last night. 83 action plays versus nine handoffs. 83 action plays are defined as passes, sacks, and runs. That was the only record he set last night. He threw the ball 59 times, which if you would ask Dean Pease, he would have loved that, and that's exactly what he got. Tennessee Titans, 28. Baltimore Ravens, 12. Tears in Baltimore. Laughter and joy across the Music City. And your football team is one more win away from another trip to the Super Bowl. First in a long time. How are you feeling? We'll get back to your phones. But coming up next, Buck Rising of A to Z Sports will join us live to give his thoughts on what he saw last night on a historic night in Baltimore. Big Six rolls along next here on 104.5 The Zone. Nashville. After- 4.5 The Zone. The Sports Station. Welcome back to this special edition of the Big Six. Recapping. Not the Titans season because it ain't over, folks. AFC Championship game a week away. You'll hear every bit of analysis of it all week here on 104.5 Zone across all the shows. And, of course, you'll hear the game with Titans Radio a week from today. The question is, who will it be against and where will it be? Will it be in Kansas City or will it be in Houston? Weird Tweet from Adam Schefter just now. Julian Edelman arrested last night in Beverly Hills, cited for misdemeanor vandalism after he, quote, allegedly jumped on the hood of another person's Mercedes and caused damage, unquote. Maybe he was excited about the Titans win. I know this guy is probably pretty tired, but maybe still riding a little bit of a high as well. He uh, is Buck Rising of A to Z Sports. You hear him on 3HL each week. Buck, have you come down? I know you're out of an airplane, but have you come down from whatever in the world we saw last night, which was complete and utter domination by the Tennessee Titans over the top seeded Ravens? Man, I uh, and I appreciate you having me, Jason. I I am lacking in sleep, but I will try to bring it strong here, just as they did last night. They uh, they continue to impress me. Uh, I I I continue to doubt them to uh, to stick their face into the buzzsaw over and over and over again. Uh, and they have done so on the road in two of the most hostile playoff environments I have ever seen and have really, really enjoyed seeing. And to see the way that they've done it, I mean, Arthur Smith play calling, I just stones on that man. Khalif Raymond in a big spot. Derrick Henry throwing touchdown passes to Corey Davis on his birthday. Like, this is the stuff that you cannot make up. It's it's as poetic almost as Winter Storm Henry rolling into New England last weekend on Derrick Henry's birthday. I uh, I I am very, very uh, impressed with what they have been able to do. What was the most surprising thing that you saw last night? I, I let off my show on Fox Sports Radio this morning and this show by saying that everybody's going to have the narrative that's going to be about Lamar Jackson, but it's time to actually give some credit to the victors and what Derrick Henry has done. But was there anything that actually surprised you about maybe how that game started and certainly how it finished? Uh, the, the first 
fourth and one stop that the Titans defense made on Lamar just seemed to kind of throw them out of whack because they had drives. They were moving the ball. I mean, Lamar was incredible, and yet they were unable to score points because they would they missed that first fourth and uh, fourth and one sneak that he tried to pull, and then after that, it just didn't seem like they could figure out how to get it going again. I don't know if that's bye week rust. I don't know what that is. But the, the fact that the Ravens were moving the ball up and down the field on the Titans, and then when it came time to put points on the board, uh, the best offense in football was unable to do it. That was, that was the most shocking part to me. I just continue to look at it. It looks like they've turned the clock back 25 years with the way that they are approaching the game of football, even with newer concepts. But they're going outside zone cutback, Derrick Henry north and south, and they're just bludgeoning people to death, Buck. I mean, it's... It's unbelievable to watch in this quarterback's league. What we basically saw on Saturday was Cousins and Garoppolo did virtually nothing. And then we saw Tannehill do, well, he threw 14 balls. He was 7 of 14 in the game. He's thrown for 160 total yards. And then on the flip side, Lamar Jackson had a really tough evening despite a lot of yardage. Derrick Henry at this point, I know Lamar's going to win the MVP because it was voted on weeks ago. There's nobody more valuable to his team right now to me than Derrick Henry is for the Tennessee Titans. This is unbelievable stuff, historic-level stuff we're seeing from him. I know. He is uh, ir- liter- quite literally irreplaceable on this football team. And <laughs> certainly when it comes contract time, uh, whenever this season, whenever this ride uh, does come to an end, however it may come to an end, uh, that, will, uh, that will certainly come to bear in, in the negotiation process. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's funny because we were talking. To, we do the the media the media uh, conference calls with the opposing uh, coaches uh, before every game, and we were talking with Harbaugh about you know the Titans and the Ravens and how in uh, a time when people were uh, I guess too quick to assume the death of running the football in the NFL uh, that the Ravens and Titans are who they are, and now as you mentioned earlier. Uh, yesterday in the first playoff game between the Niners and the Vikings, and then to see Tannehill really uh, have to do very, very little except make plays when called upon. And, you know, the game manager tag is is kind of become something uh, that, that's got a little bit of a stigma to it, but if a game manager looks like a 45-yard bomb to Khalif Raymond, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the bulk of the workload that he's having to carry because the the rest of the offense uh, can do it for him. Uh, that's all it needs to be. And honestly, I I think I think they still have more that they can do because we've seen how much Tannehill in that passing game and AJ Brown and Corey Davis, who on his birthday caught a touchdown pass from the running back yesterday. Yeah. They can put up points. They can move the football through the air. I think they're just kind of lying in wait to see who the opponent's going to be. And I think that if it's, I, I think regardless of who it is, I think, I think they got a pretty good shot now that they're through this first, these first two. Yeah, no, I do too. Buck Rising of AZ Sports, my guest here on this special edition of the Big Six, recapping a historic night that has left the Baltimore Sun writing articles that it sounds like the author is crying and tearing up while he's actually trying to write it. So when did the crowd begin to sense there was trouble? Like it got awfully quiet, probably faster than anybody expected in that game. But when was it that you sensed, oh, man, they know they're in trouble right now? 
very early on. I mean, to, to go up 14, to go up two scores on a Ravens team that, uh, and the, the, stat, the statistic was from ESPN Stats and Info, that the Ravens had only been, uh, had only trailed by two scores twice uh, this season, and they had lost both on to lose last night. They knew early. Uh, that they were going to be in trouble. And the crowd, I mean, to their credit, they stuck around a lot longer than I think uh, a lot of NFL fan bases would have. They were there until the very end of the fourth quarter before uh, they started to trail out, and they ran the option play with Tannehill, and he scored on the ground that way. That's when the stands began to clear. But uh, visible frustration uh, from the fans who were sitting directly in front of us in the press box and kept looking back at us. Uh, when, you know, they thought Adoree Jackson should have been flagged for P.I. or or a call didn't go their way. I think uh, Jeffrey Simmons probably could have gotten flagged for a uh, for a late hit or a, what looked a little yeah. bit like a helmet-to-helmet on Lamar early in the game. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just get outplayed, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and they did the unthinkable. That I know, I know gambling-wise it's not the biggest upset of the NFL season, but damned if it's not close. Uh, yeah, for sure. And Brable talked about after the game, short yardage situations on defense and red area, and it's not like he had to say it. We all saw it. The goal line stand at the end of the first half against the against the Patriots, and then 0 for 4 on fourth down for the Ravens, including the first time, and it happened twice, that they failed on fourth and ones. Speak to the fact that it seemed like at the beginning of the year the defense was being asked to do a lot and the offense wasn't there. Then towards the end of the year, the offense is putting up points, and they're having to because the defense has given up a lot of yardage and given up points. Now you've got the defense dealing, and you've got Derrick Henry running the football. That, to me, is the difference in this team, but you've watched it so closely all year. Just how well is Dean Pease's crew playing right now? I mean, he. I, I made a joke on Twitter, uh, posted a video of him, uh, strolling the sideline yesterday, and I go, this man may very well be the MVP uh, by the end of the game. And to his credit, in both of these playoff games, his unit has been spectacular. They still haven't allowed a touchdown pass to Tom Brady in two meetings with him, one in the regular season last year and in this postseason mm-hmm. this year. And then to completely, I mean, they didn't obviously, they gave up the yardage to the Ravens, but the red zone defense has been spectacular. And I don't know if it's just, the, the unquantifiable momentum and, and hype of being in the postseason that is helping to elevate these guys' play. But, I mean, Kenny Vaccaro and David Long, <laughs> a sixth-round sixth rookie uh, in a game of the utmost importance, playing spectacular football after having a little bit of a learning curve last week against the Patriots. Uh, Jeff Simmons and Jarrell Casey getting his first postseason sack yesterday and then having another one and a fumble uh, that he caused that Simmons recovered. Uh, it's, it's just a perfect, uh, it's a perfect storm uh, for lack of a better term. That's, that's helping to get them over the top. And now when they have been, you know, bal- an unbalanced to one side or the other to start the year, now they are finding that perfect balance in which a field goal kicker, which was their greatest concern, uh, who has been on the roster now, I think, for the better part of a month, has yet to attempt a field goal because they don't need to. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, you hope that he'll be ready when he's called upon, but he hasn't been called upon yet because of what they're doing. I wrote at the Big Six blog on, on my takeaways piece after the game, and you can assess the, the validity of this statement. I felt like the biggest play in this game was the the first turnover. 
when Baltimore was moving down the field after forcing the punt and deferring, they knew they were going to get the ball to open the second half, and it looked like they were chewing up some yardage. And then all of a sudden, it went off of Mark Andrews' fingertips, and Bayard didn't miss his opportunity, which is pretty much, you could just put that in his Twitter bio. That's pretty much what that guy does. That's who that guy is. I don't think Baltimore ever fully woke up from that. I don't know that if it shook them, but that was a situation where, Buck, if they go and they go up 7 nothing right there, I don't know what conversation we're having, if any, right now on this very radio station, on this radio show, because I don't know that the game plays out exactly the same. I'm not saying they're going to stop Derrick Henry, but to me, that turnover was as big a play as you can see early in a football game because it just was the weird thing that you need against a heavy favorite to make them start wondering whether or not their destiny is about to come to an end. Yeah, and I would agree with you. And, you know, I mean, as as much time as we spend doing the analysis of these games, it often comes down to one play like that. For example, uh, in week three, when the Titans went down to Jacksonville and Dory Jackson muffed the, uh, the punt return yeah. and they recovered it for a touchdown, the game was over then. And that was the very, very start of the game. That if you put... Lamar into these positions, maybe that's maybe uh, the track record as he's continued to progress into what, what really is a fantastic player. If he is forced to play hero ball, he does, uh, he does at times, there's a history of him forcing things and turning the ball over. And once you got that initial interception, then things started to snowball because then there was a little more desperation to it. Then Lamar was starting to force. Then you saw uh, the the lack of rhythm and flow to their to the Baltimore offense uh, kind of start to uh, unwind and and then he started turning the ball over again obviously another interception and a fumble loss um, it's it's a much different situation than the Chargers game uh, uh, last year when they when they lost to uh, to Los Angeles in the wild card round and obviously uh, in his last collegiate game in the uh, tax layer bowl I think it was when he had a bit of a meltdown. Uh, against a uh, not great Texas A&M defense, but the the recipe was there. They just needed that one play, and sometimes in football, that's all it takes. Buck, I don't think it's close. I think every Titans fan should be pulling really hard for the Houston Texans today. I think the Chiefs are way better than they were the last time that the Titans saw them when Mahomes was coming right back off the injury. The defense is playing much, much better right now. I would much rather go to Houston and play on the road than in Arrowhead as well, but both those teams have something that the Patriots and the Ravens didn't, which is receiving talent. Like, if you look at how thin the Patriots were and then how the Ravens, you realize, wait, maybe they don't have a ton of weapons around Lamar Jackson. That is not the case next week. Am I right, though? You don't want to see the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are very good. That was my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl, so it's still in play. But if I'm the Titans, I want to see Houston because I think they can easily beat the Texans, quite frankly. Yeah, and I, I would I would be inclined to agree, and I think you know that that very much uh, that very much depends on the status of Will Fuller from uh, from week to week as yeah. we see that kind of how much that drastically changes the Houston offense. But I, with Kansas City, it's not even as much about the the weapons that they have offensively for me, um, because we know what they can do. It's how much better that defense looks mm-hmm. uh, since they played here and lost here uh, earlier in the season. Uh, when Pat in Pat Mahomes first came back, and he, you know, coming off an injury when he missed the game, uh, threw for the most yards, passing yards in the history of that stadium, uh, and they they needed special teams miracles and a Josh Kalu blocked field goal uh, to get them out of that situation. The defense 
being a much bigger factor in Kansas City uh, makes that a, a less favorable matchup than the first time you saw them. But I, again, I, I, I don't, I, they certainly wouldn't be favored. Um, no. But I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think that either way it's a bad matchup for them. Although you would much rather see Houston. <laughs> yeah, no, right. No, I agree with you. I mean, I picked against them with the Patriots. I picked against them with the Ravens, even though I woke up yesterday and I felt a little weird about it. And then I sat there and watched it happen. I still feel like I would pick Kansas City, but I definitely think Tennessee can beat everybody that's left. I think San Francisco is really good, but Tennessee at this point, I think the best, the biggest compliment you can pay this team, especially because of how wishy washy and up and down and peak and valley it has been, is to say that it is now safe to believe in this team. Even if they only have one more game left to play this season, I think you can believe in what they're building. I think you can believe in this coaching staff. I think you can believe in some key contributors on both sides of the ball. I think that there's a lot of reason to hope and feel good about the future, both immediate and long-term for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, no, I mean, and, they, and they've earned that, Jason, because you, you know that I, I, I have certainly uh, had my, had my uh, share of emotions about their style yes. of play and, and how you know middle of the pack they have continued to be, and and now that they have earned uh, this trust, uh, big trust, as it were, from Tajay Sharp last night introducing Derrick Henry. Yeah. Regardless of how this thing uh, comes to an end, uh, to make the first AFC uh, or ch- uh, conference championship game in 17 years in the year of number number 17, Ryan Tannehill. I, Good to great is something that was an anchor around their neck all year long, and now I got to I got to think a, a conference championship game when you started the year two and four. That's pretty great. So how about Vrabel's uh, unmentionables? How fast is that going to come back to bite him? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if it's as much a biting situation. Yeah, yeah. A, bit of, a bit of a skipping. You're right, uh, but I, uh, I I cannot confirm. I am waiting. Uh, until a more intimate moment, perhaps to uh, to see if I can get any confirmation on it. But I think uh, the the sacrificing of Mike Rabel's manhood may or may not have happened because something miraculous has happened, uh, and it started it started on a bus with some boys. It did, it did indeed, and we'll see how long it's going to go. Buck, I know you're tired, I'm tired, but we're also riding a little bit of a high after what we saw. I appreciate you joining me. I'm sure you'll be on. Uh, several times probably during the week, and then who knows where we're going to end up this weekend, whether it's Kansas City or Houston. I don't think you can count the Titans out, and anybody that does that does it to their peril at this point. It would seem so, and I. Uh, this is why we do what we do, brother. This is a lot of fun to, to, to bear witness to and to be a part of for certain. Indeed. Take care of yourself, brother. Thanks for having me. That is Buck Rising, back from Baltimore safely. Bringing it, as always, back to the phones when we come back. 615-737-1045. A piece from the Baltimore Sun reading the first half of that article just shows you what revenge can look like and how sweet maybe it can taste. And you can enjoy it all you want because they enjoyed it in 2000. They enjoyed it in 2008. In 2020, to the victor, go the spoils. Quote King Henry, nevermore. We'll be right back here on 104.5 The Zone. What more? The Zone, the sports station. Hey, baby, baby. 
moving right along here on this special edition, Titans edition, Titanic edition. And it was Titanic performance from your Tennessee NFL team that knocked out Baltimore's NFL team. And that's the team you most want to knock out of the playoffs based on the history between the two franchises. The respect between the two as well. I know that there was a nice moment between Dean Pease and Ozzie Newsom that Buck Rising, who we just had on the program, appreciate him making time, especially as tired as he is, just basically getting off an airplane and joining us here on the program. Uh, He actually reported that one last night. These two teams do have, and you had the whole like uh, good bleep moment from Derrick Henry in the postgame to Earl Thomas. They had some fun. Earl Thomas joked about his own bulletin board material coming back to bite him. He said that in the postgame. So that was intriguing. Six one five seven three seven one zero four five. Say you join us, and we uh, looks like we've got people lined up yet again. Let's go to it. Might be Mark and Franklin. Mark, what's up? I've been listening to you this morning and uh, tighten up. Uh, I understand. Uh, Derek Henry did a great job, and our uh, receivers did a good job. But could you uh, give us a little stats on? Uh, I noticed where we're not having a lot of penalties lately. It seems like our game's cleaned up. And our offensive line seems to have cleaned up their penalties. Do you have any stats on that? Uh, well, I mean, the offensive line has definitely been doing a lot better. Uh, just across the board, they've been doing better. I just tweeted out a video where Roger Saffold just mauled somebody. And Lawan played really well on that play also. Uh, last night's penalties, the Titans were penalized five times for 20 yards compared to the Ravens' seven for 56. Five penalties is, I mean, that's middle of the road, but 20 yards... You know, they weren't major variety penalties, which means they weren't discipline penalties in terms of losing your cool kind of penalties. So that's certainly going to help you out. This is a team that does seem to be just playing cleaner football at the right time. Everything is going right for the Titans. They're running the ball. The offensive line's playing better. The defense is coming back to what we saw at the beginning of the season as guys are getting healthier again. Everybody's making plays from Khalif Raymond to Jonu Smith to A.J. Brown when necessary, to, of course, what Derrick Henry is doing. Tannehill is protecting the football. They are, because of how blemish-free and pristine they are playing, they are creating a situation where the margin for error for the opponent is so small that one mistake can lose them the football game, not the Titans. And when you get multiple mistakes, you get a thunderous upset of a double-digit favorite. They were favored by 10 and lost by 16. That is outrageous. Glenn joins us next on the program. Looks like he might be outside of Baltimore. Is that true, Glenn? Yes, that's correct. Uh, About 20 minutes south of Baltimore. What you got for me? Hey, man, let me tell you. Big Trust was big mad last night, I tell you. Um, When people talk about uh, Buffalo Bills fans or Pittsburgh Steelers fans traveling, Nobody traveled better than the Tennessee Titans fans. I was so surprised to see so many Titans fans in attendance last night. It was amazing to see. Yeah, you know what? I heard them, too. You could hear them on the broadcast. You could tell when things were going right for Tennessee. It wasn't like booze and shock and awe, even though there was some shock and awe. It was also a lot of Titans fans making noise in Baltimore. And I'm sure Vrabel appreciated it and the team appreciated it. And that's what winning does. All of a sudden, people start spending money. And giving you their time and giving you their weekends to travel and be there. And it could be the exact same experience either in Kansas City or Houston. Bob in Hendersonville is next on the program. Bob, how are you? Hey, man. How are you doing this morning? i tell you what. I really enjoyed your interview with Buck. Uh, it was very, very insightful. Nice guy. 
Yes. I'm a I'm a 20 year. I had had my season tickets for 20 years, and I sold them last year. Sold the Dead Gum PSL last year. But last night, it was more fun to me. I agree with you totally. The very first interception when personal foul was called on their quarterback, you could just see something drain out of his face. I think it turned it around completely. But the biggest fun I had was watching Coach Harbor express. <laughs> he was so totally committed to that quarterback that when when it started going a little sour on him, you could just see all of his face just seemed to drain from his face. And it was precious. It was just precious. But listen, thanks so much for your show. I really enjoy it, man. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Precious is a good way to describe it. There were times he looked at John Harbaugh. He just had a look on his face like, you know what? I don't know what we what we can do here. That's what the Titans have started to do to teams. I mean, you saw that look on Belichick's face last week when Vrabel out Belichicked him and knocked that time off the clock. Harbaugh had a look on his face last night where it was just he had no answers because there weren't any answers. Lou on a cell phone up next before we get a break. Lou, what's up? Uh, enjoyed the game immensely. You know something? Um, I don't feel like their quarterback played a bad game at all. So many drops. I mean, they, True. they had a. Um, I'm talking about the uh, Ravens quarterback. Yeah, no, I, no, you're uh, right. They only had fourteen. Uh, Lou, just to, just to your point, they only had fourteen drops all season long. Their entire offense. They had six last night. Oh, it was very evident to me, and. Um, and then they didn't have Ingram, you know, who was not an insignificant part of their offense. I mean, we played very, very well. And um, I I think just because of that running game, you know, it doesn't matter who comes in with what kind of offense, that running game is our defense on some level because we just just running the ball down the field. I'm so proud of them. I enjoyed the game immensely. Went out to a local tavern. Everybody was going crazy. and. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to see what they can do in the future. Tighten up. Tighten up indeed. And the future is immediate, folks. Seven days away, AFC Championship game. We'll find out. We'll know in 12 hours or so. Actually, I guess now more like six, seven hours from now, where they're going. Is it Kansas City or is it Houston? I'm pretty sure it's Kansas City. I think if you're a Titans fan, you should be begging for it to be Houston. Because I think you go down there and you wallop the Texans on the road. Chiefs, I don't feel quite as good about. 615-737-1045 if you're on hold. Stay there. we got one more segment to go. We'll run through as many of the calls as we can. Stick with a special edition of the Big Six after the Titans' big-time win. Not by six. How about by 16? Over the MVP and the number one seed. Back in a moment on 104.5 The Zone. Three. The Zone. Final segment of this two-hour special edition of the Big Six, recapping the Titans' 28-12 victory over the Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed with who will soon be named the league MVP, Lamar Jackson. They're not playing football anymore, but your Tennessee Titans are. The question is, will they match up with the Chiefs or will they match up with the Texans? Back to the phones. R.D. in Columbia has waited patiently. R.D., what is up? Good morning. I will tell you what. Last night, the Titans sent this 70-year-old man to bed with a smile on my face. 
Woke up this morning, it's still there. <laughs> Bill Sims' profound statement post game, he said, we're looking at the modern-day Jim Brown. I remember distinctly watching Jim Brown run the football and the way in the open field, the way he would just overpower and manhandle would-be tacklers. Uh, Derek Henry, he indeed has that same straight. There's only one difference between him and Jim Brown. Mr. Henry's faster. You are putting him in rare company, but I gave the stat of all stats. Derrick Henry is the only running back in NFL history to have 180-plus yards in three consecutive games of any type. Nobody's ever done it. Brown's never done it. Dickerson's never done it. Falk's never done it. Certainly none of the backs of today have done it, but none of the great backs that you remember. The ones that just felt unstoppable. Terrell Davis. All of them. Earl, Bo, Marcus, Allen, that is. None of them have done it. But Derrick Henry has done it. It's unbelievable. It really is. That's why I say he is the unicorn here. He's the only running back I would consider paying because I just see something different here. I see a running back that might actually be able to hold up because everybody else are the ones that end up getting up smarting after a contact with him. Tommy in Fayetteville's next. Tommy, what's up? Oh yes, and thank you guys for coming in on Sunday. It's been a great season, and I want to. And Derek, uh, man, he could go over two thousand yards this next week if we uh, for the whole season, and that's yep. admirable. Um, I hope they'll keep the whole team. Uh, just bring everybody back. Let's keep a unit, and we can't wait till Delaney Walker can get there. He could still have added a whole lot to this, and I want to say. Uh, uh, Marcus, you've done a great job of standing there and being on the sideline, and I hope they'll keep Marcus. I wish they could keep both of uh, Ryan and Marcus. I just love it. And I found my Tom Landry, finally. Thank you, Mark, uh, Mike Grable. You are a coach's player's coach, and they will play their hearts out for you. One thing Tommy just said that's interesting about Marcus, I think he's going to get another opportunity somewhere else. I don't think he will be here, okay? But Marcus Mariota has a lot of Jalen Hurts in him. Jalen Hurts lost his job to somebody that was better at the position doing what that position needed at Alabama. But then he went to Oklahoma and he was able to flourish. But one of the reasons he was able to go to Oklahoma and flourish and be who he is is because of who he is, his character, his makeup, his integrity. When it all went south for him, somebody that had never really had it go south, somebody that had worked so hard and had been so successful and only lost two games, still got benched for a better player, but did not sulk about it. Stood up, rooted for Tua, answered every tough question, and then went to went to Oklahoma and carved his own path. Marcus may have the opportunity to do the same, but he's doing the first part of it now. He is much more Jalen Hurts than he is somebody that has been butthurt by something that has happened to him. He has had a setback, but he has not let that take him completely out. He's standing there. He's talking to Tannehill. When they call his number, he goes in for a gadget play. He does whatever it takes. Because that's the kind of guy Marcus Mariota is. Which is why everybody so desperately wanted him to be the guy. Because we knew that's the kind of guy Marcus Mariota was. Scott is up next. Scott, what's up? I just wanted to talk about uh, my favorite part from the game last night. was um, Watching it on TV um, was the long pass uh, for the touchdown. Um, when they showed a replay of it, they showed a, a end zone view. And, you know, the camera follows the ball, and as it goes up to the – you see the upper deck uh, behind the football. 
and it's mostly Ravens fans, and they're all obviously sitting down, and there's two Titans fans standing up with their ar- both their arms in the air because they can see what's about to happen. They can see the, that Davis is open, and if the ball gets there, it's going to be a touchdown, and it's going to be a big play. And uh, I just thought it was a it was a cool moment and cool cool view. I should have taken a screenshot of it, but I just kind of let it go by. But um, thought it was an awesome uh, uh, view of the game. No doubt, it was. It was an awesome view, and it was an awesome touchdown. And it turned out that one right there was enough to win the game because it was just twelve points from the Ravens. The world famous Titan woman joins us here on this special edition of the Big Six. I'm sure you are feeling quite good today. Feeling wonderful. Thank you guys for coming in today. I have been a PSL holder since 99. I am so proud of our Titans. I love every one of them. And our coach is incredible. But I have a special song. Do you believe in magic like the Titans do when the Titans soared and the Ravens came and the Ravens fans got really bored? Wow. I believe in magic, don't you? I well, you're starting you're starting to make me believe, but this team has made me to believe at this point because at some point it's not a fluke anymore. This team's it's just really not good. A fluke. We've not been a fluke ever since ninety nine. We've not been a fluke. We're playing just like Steve Steve, Eddie, George, Frank Wycheck, the whole gang. We're playing like the ever since ninety nine. I mean ever since when we want, when we first came into Nashville, we're playing like the real team of the Texans. We are Texans playing right now, and we are playing with the heart of the Texans and with the love of the South. I appreciate it, Titan Woman. Wouldn't have been right to, not right to hear this show without you. That, song's, that song is incredible. Mike in Lebanon, next. Mike, what's up? Hey, I just wanted to say something about uh, the Tannehill. I heard earlier somebody uh, was saying that he's just having to manage the game. And, um, uh, you know, I feel that, uh, you know, he ain't had a lot of yards the last two games. But last night he was responsible for three scores. And uh, if you didn't tell from the game last night, it don't matter who puts up the most no. yards. It's who puts up the most points. Yes. And uh, he was responsible for three. And there was one other thing that kind of scared me. I thought our defense played great. Uh, I love the Titans. But one thing that scared me last night was the receivers for Baltimore seemed to get so wide open at certain times. And uh, uh, after that, I'll just shut up and listen. Thank you. Okay, well, the main reason of that is because they were dropping eight people into coverage, and Lamar Jackson was just able to sit back there and pick them apart. And eventually there was separation created by the receivers. Um, they didn't do it very often. When they did, he made them pay for it. There's always going to be people, be people that get open. The one thing that I've always been worried about with the Titans' defense because I, I watched them down the stretch of the season was against top-flight wide receiver talent, they can give up big yards. Remember Mike Evans? Remember DeAndre Hopkins? Remember Michael Thomas? Next week you're going to see that, whether or not it's Houston or Kansas City. They have not had to deal with that so far in this postseason. How they respond against those receivers next week may well determine whether or not they're going to Miami or whether or not they're going to be watching in Nashville. But right now, betting against them is treacherous to say the least. The Titans win it 28-12. to The Baltimore Ravens season comes to an end. 14-2 and in the regular season. Lamar Jackson was asked after the game, what What's going to be the story of this team? What are people going to remember about this Ravens team? And he said, 14-2. and two. 
and a family-oriented team. He said some nice things, but he said 14-2, and two, which means they were great in the regular season. And then they ran into, in their first playoff game, a team that was just flat-out red-hot and flat-out better than them. And it was Tannehill in his 7-14 of 14 with two touchdowns and one on the ground and Derrick Henry doing something no running back in the history of the NFL has done. Now we sit and we wait today to see whether or not it's the Texans or the Chiefs next on the docket. I think if you're a Titans fan, root real hard for Deshaun Watson. I don't want Mahomes and those guys next week. But I wouldn't bet against these Titans against either one the way that they're playing. Baltimore tears. Nashville's joy. Get you joining us. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good afternoon from the music.